in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 104.9 AM 1260 and HornFM.com with the Longhorns play and Austin talks sports. Wake up, everybody! No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better get them the heck up, get them going. It's Thursday on B&E. Early Bird always gets the worm. We appreciate you being up early with us. we got a lot to do. It's a Thursday. That makes it a buck-off Thursday, the tradition every single week, unlike any other, right here on the show of the people, who has earned a pat on the back, who has earned a kick in the hind quarters. You decide each and every Thursday with a buck-off or a buck-on. We also have the always fun buck-offs that are... You decide. We report. You decide. Is it a buck on or a buck off? Like Charles Barkley on television last night. Trying to clean his cell phone by licking it on national television. Ugh. Seems pretty gross to me with his uh, with his own tongue. T- excuse me. Tongue. Not a, a Kleenex or a, a wipe or something. No, no, no. Licking the phone. Uh, seems pretty unsanitary, Charles, but that's how a buck-off goes. You decide. Is that pretty cool or is that not? Uh, that's how we'll have fun this morning. Four hours of fun and conversation begins right now on this Thursday, May the 4th, of course, Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you, as they always say. We'll have some fun with that, obviously, and a lot to do. we got uh, one NBA playoff game last night, one tonight. We've got uh, hockey, baseball, football news, and the rest of it. Uh, and, of course, uh, the, the rest of your buck-ons and buck-offs all morning long. Specs text line is open at 512 Seven three seven seven six. Hit us there. Also, you can hit us on our social media pages, uh, which we'll tell you about coming up. Good stuff this morning and a lot to do. Appreciate you being there always. However, you find us on 1049, maybe 1019 FM, could be AM 1260 and digitally. Make it as easy as possible to listen to this show and all the shows here on the Horn. Just download that Horn app for free. And with the touch of a button, you're listening to us wherever you are on your smartphone, also on your smart speaker at home or work, and always uh, digitally there on the website. You can watch our Twitch channel and see the shows in uh, in live living color. You can also listen anytime at hornfm.com. Uh, Bucky Godbolt out again today. He'll rejoin me tomorrow at the uh, 22nd plane of the Mullet Open. Uh, Bucky getting ready to launch the mini mullet tournament today out near Bastrop at the Hyatt Lost Pines Resort, the Lost Pines Golf Club. Uh, hopefully Bucky will check in with us at some point this morning. But thrilled to have my good buddy Mike Craven hanging out with us this morning for the entirety of the show. Look at you up early, uh, Mr. Writer Guy. You're in here early. You said it's like working at the ranch with your grandpa. <laughs> it does feel like a ranch day. I'm not a hunter or a fisherman, but it feels like that's what this day would be as well. I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. You know, I wanted Challenge to see, yourself. Right. I wanted to see if I could pull off the full four-hour slot from 6 to 10 a.m. Well, be so careful. We'll see. You see what it looks and see what happens to tie in there. Yeah, we were kind of talking about the <laughs> strategies that are involved to get here. I've always wondered that about you. Like, when do you go to bed? How do you nap? What do you... Like, well, what is your life like after this? Well, it, pretty it's early, early last night. Fortunately, last night the NBA game was not much drama or no drama whatsoever. Blowout city. So I think I, I watched an episode of Ted Lasso, which takes about 27 minutes. And 
See you later. Uh, yep. Curtains on that uh, with uh, with Jason Sudeikis on Apple TV. So that was my line. You know, pretty early, but some nights, obviously, uh, try to stay up and see as much as you can, and then grab a nap where you can. But those are few and far between these days as well. But you know, it's what we do. It's what we do. It's how we. Uh, that's how we roll. But uh, buck on to you for being here. Uh, I should I should mention and uh, at Bucky Wood certainly right now at this point the uh, good morning to the men and women of Fort Hood, Texas, uh, and all our military installations throughout the great state, around the country, and all over the world doing what they do. To to serve us and protect us so we can do what we do, which is get up early and talk sports with you. Uh, Bucky, as I said, will rejoin me tomorrow morning live on location out at the Hyatt Lost Pines Resort for the uh, Mullet Open, which is tomorrow, which we're excited about. Now, I mentioned you... uh you grew up working on a ranch. Now, uh, if you ever have listened to any of these seven episodes of our Eyes on Texas multicast that you and I do, focusing on Texas football, part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Radio or, uh, Podcast Network and the Horn YouTube page where you can find it, um, you know, I always introduce you saying, uh, grew up in the Texas football locker room, mm-hmm. uh, which probably needs some explanation that uh, your grandfather was the team doctor for the Longhorn football program for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, he started out as the uh, strength and conditioning guy. He was the founder of the co-founder of the NCAA strength and conditioning. You know, convinced Coach Royal, Doctor Craven. Yeah, convinced Coach Royal to let uh let him bring water to practices, not because the guys <laughs> were getting thirsty and dehydrated, but because they were jumping in the creek outside the practice field and getting sick from drinking that water. So Coach Royal allowed him to to empty out six Coca Cola bottles and fill that up for, for water, and that's what the whole team had <laughs> during practice. That was the uh, the compromise there. But yeah, he was the he he transitioned into being the rehab specialist. He was the head of kinesiology department at UT forever. Uh, so as a kid, he was my babysitter. You know, both my parents worked, so um, I would just go down to UT in his truck, hang out all day, watch him do whatever, hang out in Gregory Gym, shoot baskets, and come back in the afternoon. Yeah, come back, and uh, so you knew Bucky when Bucky was coaching yep. at Texas as a yep. as a wee little lad that you were. Lance uh, Gunn was my first favorite <laughs> football player of all time, and uh, uh, so it was fun. I always say it's one of the things that makes you a great writer talking about football because you kind of understand the uh, behind the scenes, a little bit of the human element of how it all operates on a day by day basis, and uh, you got to see it up close from a young age. And you know, it's, it's football, and people are passionate about it. It's uh, and rightfully so. The expectations are high. At the same time, these are young young people rolling in there trying to you know wear that uniform and do it proud, uh, you get that pretty, pretty more than more than a lot of people that haven't seen that up close and personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then early on, it, it I learned that you know the football was probably the the least interesting part of the whole deal. Really? You know, you're you're watching all of these stories and you're watching all these people and you know these guys come in at 18, 19, 20 years old and they have insane stories. The coaches have been everywhere. The stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees is insane. So it was like. I want to be a sports writer, but I want to be a beat writer. I want to be somebody who can kind of write about the weird, kind of behind-the-scenes feature stuff. And so that's kind of been the goal throughout the career is kind of write about the stuff around football that I find to be super interesting. And take the uh, audience behind the curtain a little bit, which is what you do very well. Dave Campbell's Texas football now, and you're uh, busy writing, what, 12 previews for the 12 Division One college football teams here in the state. You went to every uh, campus, 12 of the 13, over the course of April. And uh, you're also writing the cover story, which we cannot reveal what this year's magazine will have on the cover. Dave Campbell's Texas football, but you're writing that right now, which is exciting. So we'll talk plenty of college football this morning, uh, kind of a tour of uh, uh, the, the Texas schools. And as we said yesterday when Mike was in, if you have a question or a thought on your team, uh, whether it's the Baylor Bears or the Texas Tech Red Raiders, the uh, 
TCU Horn Frogs, Houston Cougars, Aggies, you go just fire them off. Specs text line, uh, talk talk anything and uh, get into some college football. And of course, the Longhorns. Your tour of twelve different campuses wrapped up here in Austin with a sit down with Steve Sarkeesian and Jordan Whittington. So we'll dive into some Texas football from your perspective, uh, how it how it shakes out here as we look forward to the summertime. Most all schools, all, all programs off right now, right? They'll take May yes. off and uh, recharge the battery. Come back into June for summer and um, crank it back up. So we'll talk plenty of college football and all the top stories and of course the buck ons and buck offs which should be fun this morning and uh, deliver one where you need to give one someone right upside the chin you know what i'm saying give one a good buck off uh including this actually you know what this is one of those is it a buck off or an our buck on because now i'm reading that one week ago nfl draft first round bill belichick pulled a trade with the pittsburgh steelers and a lot of league general managers think he did it specifically to screw the jets uh, but yes, the the Jets, the the Patriots were on the clock at pick fourteen. Three, there were four offensive tackles that had first round grades by most everybody. Right, four first round tackles. Three of them had already been selected by the time the Patriots were on the board at fourteen. They weren't going to take a tackle, and the Jets were drafting right behind behind them. Remember, in the Aaron Rodgers deal, one of the things they did is the Jets and the Packers swapped first round picks this year. So the Jets had the thirteenth pick. But then they swapped that with the Jets as part of the Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. So instead of drafting 13th, the Jets were now drafting 15th, right behind the Patriots. And uh, three tackle, and everyone knew that the the Jets' conventional thought was they're going to take a tackle to help protect Aaron Rodgers, their newly acquired 39 year old quarterback. Three were off the board, and uh, with with the Patriots on the clock, Bill Belichick swung a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers to drop three or four spots back to number 17. And the Steelers came up and took the last tackle uh, off the board. The, the kid Broderick Jones from uh, from Georgia, which kind of screwed the Jets. They could they didn't have a tackle left, and the league executives are now all talking that he did it on purpose. He only he, he didn't ask for much from the Steelers, like a fourth round pick to drop back, uh, knowing the Steelers would come up and take a tackle. And uh, is that a buck on or a buck off for you, Mike Craven? Is that a oh look at Bill Belichick still resenting the Jets and trying to screw a division rival. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. <laughs> for that. Yeah, I'm absolutely for that, right? Like I mean, you got 32 teams in this league, like it's all dirty pool, right? Like there's there's nothing I enjoy the pettiness. I need I grew up a professional wrestling fan. I need more and more of the petty drama going on in our athletics. I'm all sports. for petty. I'm all for petty. But yeah, how about that? You know what? Just give us hey, uh, Mike Tomlin, give us a fourth round pick. We'll we'll slide back and they of course then took the uh, the Texan Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of the, the colony in Oregon. Uh, that's probably who they're going to take anyhow, knowing they could probably get him back there at 17. And the Jets were kind of screwed. <laughs> Jets uh, all the tackles were off the board. They had to go a different direction and the fans were mad. Uh, they, they they didn't get an offensive lineman. So yeah, that's good stuff. I like it. I like the pettiness as well. Bill Belichick. It's in the division. It's in the division. I mean, you got to do what you, you got to do. You know, now he's got to beat Aaron Rodgers, right? He got to face Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know, he's got a good pass rush with Mashie Judon and company, and uh, we don't want you getting that Broderick Jones guy out of Georgia. We're going to let the Steelers get him, uh, which is perfect. That's good stuff right there. Love these subplots behind the scenes. Speaking of behind-the-curtain stuff, can we get to the headlines, trending topics on this Thursday morning to start your 6 o'clock hour? 
UBO Business Services brings it to you. Yeah, buck off to the NBA playoffs last night. Zero drama uh, with just one game on the card. It wasn't actually much, of, actually much of a game. Celtics responded to their game one home loss to Philadelphia with an angry brand of basketball last night, and they overwhelmed the 76ers, 121-87. Uh, the game was never close in the second half. Jalen Brown led the way with 25. That spoiled the return of the newly named and minted league MVP, Joel Embiid. He returned from his knee injury, scored 15 points in 26 minutes. They'll head back to Philadelphia uh, 1-1. Only one game tonight as well. It's a big one, though, out west. Golden State will host the LA Lakers in Game 2 of the Western Conference semifinal. Lakers, of course, took Game 1 on Tuesday night. Texas football news this morning were that the Horns have added a special teams piece to their 2024 recruiting class. A commitment yesterday from Fort Lauderdale, Florida punter Michael Kern, St. Thomas Aquinas High School, ranked as one of the top five prep punters in the nation. Also from the 40 Acres yesterday, fifth-ranked Texas softball team back in action after an 11-day layoff, and they run-ruled Sam Houston State 12 to two. Pro baseball yesterday, both the Rangers and Astros dropped series-ending matinees yesterday afternoon. Arizona avoided a sweep with a 12-5 win in Arlington. Giants took the rubber game of that series in Houston 4-2. to two. Round Rock split a day-night doubleheader in Reno yesterday and last night. Hockey, Carolina and Vegas, both winners in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And how about HEB Center at Cedar Park? Texas Stars finished off a three-game sweep of Rockford in the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs, 4-2 to the final last night. They now await the winner of the Milwaukee-Manitoba series in the Central Division Finals. Massive developing story from global soccer. Lionel Messi apparently headed out of PSG. 35-year-old's contract set to expire this summer. Messi has been in discussions reportedly with the Saudi Arabian government about joining the Saudi Pro League. Reports suggest Messi could make as much as $400 million annually. Uh, in the NFL, New York Jets continuing to surround their quarterback with familiar faces. Yesterday, they agreed to a one-year deal with veteran receiver Aaron Cobb on a one-year deal. Or, excuse me, Randall Cobb on a one-year deal. 32-year-old, a longtime target for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And an interesting piece of news coming out of Dallas at a charity golf event yesterday. Cow- Cowboy star Micah Parsons told reporters that he's skipping the team's voluntary offseason program in order to focus on bulking up and adding weight to be able to play defensive end full-time in 2023. Two-time pro bowler plus played linebacker in Dallas since he was drafted in 2021, but appears that he'll be exclusively coming off the edge this season. He added that he plans to return to the Cowboys' OTAs later this summer. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Yeah, reports that uh, Micah Parsons is working out here in Austin mm-hmm. uh, as he's trying to add weight and bulk up. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, when it comes time to that, that that massive contract of his, pass rushing defensive ends make more money than linebackers. Yes. It's just the way the, the salary scale goes. Uh, and you wonder, I mean, he's been a guy they can move all over the, the field and the chess piece and that kind of thing for Dan Quinn. We talked a lot about uh, the, the drafting last Friday night of DeMarvion Overshone who's got a similar, you know, not as explosive as Micah Parsons, who is, but a guy that can move all over the field, play linebacker, maybe rush the passer. But uh, interesting here, Micah Parsons planning to, to bulk up and come off the edge full-time. Uh, well, first, it, it eliminates the argument of, like, if DFW is better than Austin. You know, I lived up there for for a year, and, uh, you know, they, they always told, told me about how Austin stinks and everybody's trying to get out of Austin, and, you know, now Micah Parsons is down here working out in, in, in his fun time. <laughs> Um, and so if I'm Micah Parsons, though, I'm doing the same thing. I mean, I, I think you look at the Cowboys and, and the way the NFL works nowadays and you go, you know, I might get a franchise tag. You know, before they're ready to really uh, negotiate a long-term contract, I'm, I may be a guy on a franchise tag for a year or two as they figure out the roster and, and the price and all that stuff. And if he goes into that, 
being a defensive end edge rusher is, is much more lucrative uh, than being a middle linebacker. Um, and, and, it, and it's a more impactful position, right? Like you can go find um, some middle linebackers in modern college football to do what you're supposed to do. It's really hard to find a guy coming off the edge that can do what Michael Parsons does. Well, and you, you know the impact he's had on that defense since walking in the door as a, he's an all-pro as a rookie. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the you know the Texans and their drafting of Will Anderson and how explosive he can be. Remember, Will Anderson was like high four fives, four six at the combine. Michael Parsons runs a four three. I mean, it's ridiculous. This guy. I mean, th- this guy is is you know he's he's we always compare him to like a jungle cat or something like a lion on the on the Serengeti chasing things down. He's so powerful, but then he's you know four three fast, so he can run anybody down. Uh, quarterbacks can't get away from him. The quick twitch is unbelievable. You hope he doesn't lose any of that by adding weight, but you understand why he is. He wants to be sturdier against those tackles, and he is working out here in Austin at uh, the Collective. Uh, Jeremy Hills, the former Longhorn, has started, and he's got two great gyms now. They're called the Collective with a K. Uh, very cool places. One on South Congress and one out north, but. Um, they need to be better against the run. They do. And, and that, like him getting bigger has to be able to help that as well. Yeah, Mozzie Smith, of course, the draft pick last Thursday out of Michigan is brought in specifically for that reason, to anchor the point of attack with his strength and um, Micah getting stronger as well. They still have Demarcus Lawrence. They still have Dor- Dorrance Armstrong. And, look, they're going to – they're going to sick this defense on – this is obviously the plan for Mike McCarthy. Let this defense get after it, let the offense make fewer mistakes. I mean, Dak threw 17 interceptions last year. That's got to be cut in half if you can do it. And uh, stop taking those chances because the defense can can put you in position to win every game. Uh, but, you know, Dak Prescott needs to find a way to win those games for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but, yeah, Micah Parsons. Look, if you see him bumping around Austin, you can say, that looks like Micah Parsons might be. Might be. <laughs> uh, getting his workout in, getting his, getting his bulk on. Uh, but yeah, buck ons and buck offs on a Thursday. Ty, you heard that too. That uh, Mike is hanging out here. You're a big cowboy guy. Yeah, um, and I saw his tweet. He said he'll never play above 255 in his career, and it said it's not not as much putting on weight, just to put on weight, but just trying to build more muscle to to take on the toll of you know having to play in the trenches for every down. Yeah, and uh, you know after you go through the the. the Two seasons, you realize, man, I'm I'm strong, but I got to get stronger. He's, this is this is a long seventeen week, seventeen game, eighteen week season. You got to be prepared for it and uh, do the work this time of year to be ready for. And kind of like working on your your grandpa's ranch. You got to <laughs> got to get, get stuff ready to be ready for the long haul. That's, I do expect him to still you know show some exotic packages oh. of him coming from you know every oh, position yeah. on the field. Yeah, you have a guy like that, and you have to use him as in as many creative ways as possible. I do like that they're just giving up on the whole, like, he is a linebacker still thing, because he's not, right? Like, if you want value out of that player, you make him, you know, Von Miller, and, and he's going to have a much more much more value that way. And when you're taking those bumps and bruises and pulling guards or hitting you and all that kind of, it's hard to then go back to the second level and run free. That's going to take some, some of your explosiveness away just within a game. Uh, and so I, I think being a full-time defensive end, while granted he will play you know, around around the field. I think if it's ninety percent defensive end, that's a that's a better system for him and the defense because then you can go about finding your true eleven rather than kind of straddling those positions with Micah at linebacker and defensive end and never really finding another person to be a starter caliber player. I remember a quote from when uh, Demarcus Ware was on the Cowboys and they had a defensive change going from the the three four to four three and he was, I remember him saying I, I get to play defensive end ninety four percent of the time now mm-hmm. you know n- number ninety four yeah. I expect yeah. that kind of, no, yeah, like you said, 90 to 10 
But I, I think this is a, yeah, you a great thing for the defense. I think you uh, you missed the opportunity. And Dan Quinn knows this very well. You you put that guy everywhere, make him think, make the def- the offense trying to figure it out. And uh, and look, sometimes he'll come, sometimes he won't. Right? He'll drop into coverage as well as well, and uh, he's really good in that role too. But uh, uh, interesting little piece of piece of NFL news there from Micah Parsons. And always remember, the Cowboys were very lucky to get Micah Parsons. Uh, good fortune. Uh, you know, the Cowboys, I mean, it's factual, the Cowboys were very lucky to get Dak Prescott when they did, right? That they didn't have a very high grade on Dak, and that was the year that Jerry Jones was, uh, who was the big, tall quarterback? They wanted Paxton Lynch, Paxton and, then, Lynch. and then Connor Cook as well. Remember, remember out of Memphis, the yeah. kid come out of Memphis, oh, yeah. big, tall kid, and uh, you know, Jerry, I, and it was, I remember doing the show that next morning because Jerry was mad that he didn't, he wasn't aggressive enough, right? He's a deal maker, right? Jerry Jones. Uh, the Riverboat Gambler, uh, because it was the Denver Broncos that made a trade up into the back end of the first round to grab Paxton Lynch out of Memphis, and Jerry Jones went on record and said, man, oh, we should have done that. We should have gotten the quarterback. Because what happened was that, you know, the top quarterbacks were off the board, and then in the fourth round they had a higher pick, they had a higher grade on Connor Cook out of Michigan State and some other quarterbacks who went ahead of Dak, and Dak kind of just was there. And they, okay, we'll take Dak Prescott. Well, Obviously, he he has outperformed any expectation, including the Cowboys, because they were just kind of they just knew they needed to get a quarterback, and he was the last one there, and they took him. The Micah Parsons thing's similar but different. That they in the first round, the Cowboys were picking twelve, and remember the Cowboys wanted a cornerback. Uh, Cowboys were planning to take the top corner that was still left, and uh, surprisingly, Carolina and Denver both went corner. J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain uh, both went off the board, and then the uh, the Eagles took Devontae Smith. And then the Bears took Justin Fields, and there you go, Micah Parsons was still on the board, which, you know, that was also coming off the COVID year when, you know, teams weren't sure, like guys like Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell, who didn't play, right? Yeah. They decided, you know, they played college football in 2020, whatever variation it was with the COVID situation, like Penny Sewell out at Oregon, they only played a few games out there in the Pac-12. Uh, but but you remember Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase shut it down. They just said we're not playing, and so you know that changed kind of their draft status, whether it should or not. I mean, you redraft that draft. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the first pick. I mean, Micah Parsons would have been the second pick, right? I mean, uh, I mean Jamar Chase would have been ahead of Kyle Pitts. I mean, uh, these guys are all pro players. These are you know you, you could argue that Jamar Chase and uh, Micah Parsons are the best player at their position in this league uh, right now. Uh, but that's that's good fortune because Micah is, the, the to me, is the, the key to that defense. That is, he changed everything. He changed he, everything. He, t- he took the, one, the worst defense in Cowboys history to, to formidable this first year and then good his second year and then great last year. The Cowboys were terrible the first year for Mike McCarthy on defense. Terrible. Mike, they hired Mike Nolan to be the defensive coordinator. A bunch of old coaches came in. They were awful. Um, remember, they were just giving up like 40 burgers weekly. And yeah, Dan Quinn came in and uh, they drafted Micah Parsons and everything's changed. I mean, all of a sudden it's the strength of their team and they're, you know, what where, where they were building towards the offensive side of the ball with Dak and Zeke and Amari Cooper and CDU Lamb. It looked like they're going to be an offensive team. They've completely flipped that and they're going, let's build around our defense. Is let's, that, play, let's play conservative on offense and try to win some games. You think that's because the defense has gotten so good and Micah Parsons is a freak or because they just can't trust the offense to actually be that? The well, first, the first think, option there. I, I think Jerry's always going to choose offense over defense. But he couldn't this time. No. In my opinion, because that offense can't be chosen. Well, yeah. I mean, and especially when you're losing to San Francisco every year, who you, I mean, you see the, I realize they haven't won a Super Bowl in that right. time frame, but you see the. Since you've been born there, Ty. I, 
Yeah, I, I I know, but I mean, I think they realize what they had in, in Dak Prescott over the past few years. I mean, he's a quarterback that can win you games, but you're, yeah, probably, you're gonna have to lean on the rest of your team to win you games in the playoffs. He's, he's a not, he's a fourth round quarterback. Yeah, well, yeah. and they still need Dak to be able to engineer big drives in the fourth quarter because, as I've said over and over again, you know, each of the last two two playoff games with the Niners, you had the ball. Uh, halfway through the fourth quarter and a chance to go down and take the lead and try to win the game, and the offense couldn't move the football. And Dak uh, threw an interception, I think, on both occasions, and um, and then time ran out. So I mean, they're still going to have to get Dak to be more clutch in clutch situations. And, you know, Mike McCarthy now calling the plays. How does that look? I mean, what does that running back room look like now with the addition of Deuce Vaughn, but the the uh, no, no more Zeke, and it's going to be mostly Tony Pollard and Malik Davis. And then, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup at wide receiver. Uh, Dalton Schultz is no longer there, who was a security blanket for Dak. Uh, now it's going to be Jake Ferguson, and they drafted the kid out of Michigan, uh, Shoemaker, in the second round. Uh, so it's a new-look offense for sure over the course of two offseasons, completely rebuilt, revamped. Uh, and then the defense is going to be the, you know, the bell cow, what they do. Is that and that is that wise in today's NFL, where most teams are going the other way? They're they're going more offense and uh, let's outscore people. Well, uh, I guess my football. argument would be like the Dallas Cowboys would love to go that way. I think early on in Dak's career, as he was having success, you started seeing them load up on offense because they thought that's what they were going to be able to do. Um, they're only going this defensive route one because, like you mentioned, they got lucky with Micah Parsons and he's a generational player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, win a couple MVPs. Uh, but also, I, I believe there was a realization in that back room of, well, we can't do it that way. Like the only way you can win with a mediate, mediocre quarterback uh, in the NFL is to have an elite defense, great special teams, not turn the ball over. What we're seeing for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Cowboys have to be more of that because Dak's just not going to be more than what he is right now. Yeah. Well, and again, it's it's Patrick Mahomes' league until someone proves otherwise. With uh, three played in three Super Bowls in five years, won two of them. Uh, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in there as well because uh, somebody said, "What round was Tom Brady?" Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. <laughs> that was an anomaly. But look, I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, like that explains every other late round pick of all time. Is Tom Brady did it one time? Yeah, it seems like he's an outlier. But look, I mean, it, they use Brady and Belichick as an example that they're trying to build a great defense. Because how did Brady win and play in all those Super Bowls? Sure. You had right. Belichick coaching up a great yeah. defense. They weren't winning forty five to twenty two or anything. Right. They weren't blowing like, outside of 08 when they went eighteen and zero and had that unbelievable offense. But uh, Brady, yeah, won a lot. But this is where Dak has to come in, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna play close, low scoring games, you need your quarterback to be really clutch. And obviously, Tom Brady has proven to be the the ultimate clutch quarterback in clutch situations, uh, engineering a big drive or a touchdown or whatever it needed to be to win that game. That's how he played in ten Super Bowls, you know, and uh, you know, won seven of them. And that's Dak has not shown that, quite honestly. And you can blame the weapons, you can blame the offensive coordinator, uh, but until that changes, there's there's a ceiling on the Dallas Cowboys, no matter how good their defense is, uh, and they've invested. In this quarterback, he's going to have to uh, win you some football games. I'm not saying you know carry the team, but in a big moment, fourth quarter, he's got to put you in the end zone. Does it matter how how good your defense is when you're playing Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Well, I don't think. Well, that's Tom Brady. That's Tom Brady thing. beat him. That's the uh, thing is like you get to those moments like when you're you got to beat Joe Burrow eventually. You got to beat Patrick Mahomes eventually. Now it's you got to beat Hurts. Jalen Hurts eventually. You got and how do you do that? Like you're in in modern football, you're not going to win many often seventeen to thirteen. That's right. You know you're well, going to have to score some points, and Dak's going to have to step know, up in those ways. I realize the Chiefs had injury issues up front, but. You know, Tom Brady beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl 31 to 9, and they suffocated their defense along with Tom Brady's efficient offense, choked out the Chiefs and uh, won that game convincingly. So, yes, you can beat Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, but you got to play really good defense, and your quarterback has to play at a very high level in, in 
since his rookie year in, in playoff clutch situations, Dak Prescott, quite honestly, hasn't played at a high level. And that's obviously where the Cowboys are. But you see where they're going. We can see the roadmap mm-hmm. uh, for sure uh, with with Micah Parsons working out and he has, uh, uh, hanging out in the A-Town, ATX. He, he has more playoff wins than Tony Romo did, though. That's true. Which is crazy. That's true. Because that's most of my life right there. We will be back. There's a free agent quarterback. Cowboys are <laughs> investing at high level at quarterback. Uh, hey, we'll pick up this conversation. It's uh, Mike Craven hanging out with us this morning. Dive into some college football. He's seen all these teams around the state of Texas over the course of uh, the spring. Get some thoughts going on your favorite team. Also, Craig Way has his report. Some B&E facts of the day. Just getting warmed up on a Thursday. It's Bucky and Aaron. BD on the horn with Ty Henderson and, of course, Mike Craven this morning, my good buddy and uh, co-host on the Eyes on Texas multicast that we do. He also is the lead college football writer. Is it lead? Can I say lead or senior? Senior college football I think writer? it's technically senior. I'm not much of a title guy, but uh, technically oh. it's senior. College football writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I'm, that, I'm approaching 40, so they wanted me to have the senior there. Senior, not lead, but... The best. I'll call him the best. I know you got other good guy people there you like a lot, but uh, Mike's the best. And uh, formerly the Austin American Statesman, now at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And with us this morning, uh, coming up in our next hour, be with us. We're going to go through with Mike's uh, eyewitness account of, of all the teams in Texas that the Longhorns will play in 2023. So your thoughts on uh, the Big 12 teams, even uh, with the Houston Cougars joining the uh, the Big 12 Conference. We'll dive into that coming up in our next hour. A little in-depth college football conversation. Also, want to get your thoughts on the Deion Sanders situation. I haven't talked to you much about oh, Deion's yeah. roster overhaul and actually cutting players essentially that had no intentions on leaving, but Deion essentially telling them, "Yeah, get your ass in the portal, uh, get gone. We got to replace you with somebody else." Uh, is that on the up and up in your mind? But uh, we'll get to all that. That's a buck off for me for sure. I'm not a fan of it. You know, it's interesting. We talked last week, uh, last Thursday, uh, to Mac Brown. Uh, late in the show, in our 9 o'clock hour, Mac was in town for the Mac, Jack, and McHaney event last week, uh, their big charity event. Had Garth Brooks playing on last Thursday night, but uh, we asked Mac about it, and he, as usual, very candid. He's not a fan. <laughs> you know, it's there's got to be some parameters, there's got to be some rules, and uh, I know, knowing Mac as well as we do and covering him as long as we did, I mean, if there's anybody that's not going to be a fan of cutting players uh, and telling them to to get on get on out of here like Dion has done, that... I can't think of a coach that'd be least less a fan of that than Mac Brown. I mean, it's yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is this is much different than the, than what he dealt with. You know, I, I think there was a lot of people who thought Mac was a little bit too nice, maybe mm-hmm. to the bottom third of his roster, because you do want that organic, natural turnover. Now, sixty five players leaving in scholarship, not that organic, right? But you do want. Uh, probably the 10 or 15 guys at the bottom of your roster to leave so you can fill that with better players, especially when you're a place at the University of Texas. Um, That's one of the issues with the collectives right now, right? Like, I think on paper it felt like a good idea. Instead of everybody fitting for themselves to do NIL, let's do what Texas Tech's doing where everybody gets $25,000 if you're on the team. Well, that's fine and dandy. But if you're the third-string center who's going into his junior or senior year, without that 25, maybe you transfer to an Abilene Christian or something to go play some football. Now Tech has an extra scholarship to go use. With that 25, now you're going, well, I'm not going to get 25000 going to Abilene Christian. I might as well just stay on scholarship at Texas Tech, finish up my degree, and get that $25,000. So uh, roster management is is one of those new things that going around, around sure. college football that's well, going to be changing. And it's much more of a business. I mean, obviously it's always been a big business, a billion-dollar business. Now the players are cut in on it, and it adds new wrinkles like this. 
this, but like in the Colorado thing specifically, you know, the athletic.com has done great reporting on this and talked to a lot of the players that were told to get in the portal and you know, several stand out, but the one we talked about last week with Bucky, you know, the, the the offensive lineman whose father was a part of the national championship winning team at Colorado in 1990, he always wanted to play at Colorado for Colorado. 6'8", 330-pound tackle who just wanted to keep getting better, get a degree from Colorado, and uh, had no intentions of leaving. Had an exit meeting with Deion Sanders planned and planning to, okay, what do I need to work on? What can I get better at? And basically was told, no, you're out. Get out. Uh, beat it. Which you know, I'm, I don't think anybody would be a fan of. But that's I guess that's where we are. Or a guy that, I mean, the portal is there for guys who want to you know look around and um, maybe at the, you know, whatever the reason. I, I like that it's there, but at the same time, I'm not a fan of coaches, you know, cutting players, essentially. But we'll talk more about it coming up with college football. I wanted to, wanted to put this out there, though, and have some fun with it because I saw it yesterday. And I thought it was very clever. I think it was Barstool that put this out, Barstool Sports. But they, you know, on the heels of the NFL draft, uh, <laughs> they did a fictional bars and restaurants draft. Okay, so uh, I mentioned I was watching an episode of Ted Lasso last night, and Ted Lasso, if you ever see that show with Jason Sudeikis, they hang out. You know, the fans of the soccer team, and they, they even the, you know, Ted Lasso and, and crew hang out at the Crown and Anchor, the yes. Crown and Anchor Pub in Richmond, England. That's where they hang out. So all great television shows, or most of them, have a bar or a restaurant where the staff, the crew hangs out. So the question is, what are the best? What is the best fictional bar or restaurant? Uh, and some examples could be Moe's Tavern and The Simpsons, right? They're always at Moe's. The prank caller's always good, Ty. Uh, but the Bada Bing in Sopranos, who didn't love the Bada Bing? That might, that might be the winner, Mike, because be. strip club. Come on now. But the office off to the side. A lot went down in the Bada Bing. Yes. In that great series there, Mike. What a name, too. Yeah, the Bada Bing. Bada Bing, huh? What a perfect name. <laughs> um, so we'll, uh, you know, they, they did a good job of listing some of the the best ones, but let's get your favorite. Put it out there. The Specs text line 513-337-3776, how you do that. Uh, I know this one, Ty, your favorite show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I was about to say. You have it? Patty's Pub. Patty's Pub. Do you... you Oh, it's a great show. Okay, cool. Aaron's never seen uh, Sunday in Philadelphia. It's a a great show. It gets uh, worse every episode, which means it gets better every episode. Every every episode is like, how did this continue? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, a great I mean, show. It, yeah, you you need to check that out. Yeah, the genesis of it is awesome as well. That was like when FX was first getting going, and they basically solicited a bunch of like local television shows, like, hey, show us your clips, and we'll like we'll give somebody a series. And they were on public access show doing that show basically wherever they're from, and sent it in, and it won the the series, and then that became always Sunday. Yeah, only only one of the dentists in the show. He's the only actor uh, that has like actual acting training. Right. The yeah. rest of the people are they're just chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They just had a funny story and they just wanted to do it. And then after season one, uh, the execs were like, this is a great show, but it has no star power, to your point, right? And that's why Danny DeVito got in there. They did that out of spite. They were like, if we're going to get a famous person, let's get he like an it. ironically funny yeah, famous he, person. He makes the show for sure. Yeah. Though. So it's a, no, that's a fantastic show. You should really Patty's get in Pub. on that. Patty's Pub. Cheers has been mentioned several times already. And of course, the whole show was based in a bar. Yep. Uh, wait, back in the day, but that's one of the all-time iconic sitcoms, Cheers. That's a great one. Also, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the show Friends, what they hang out in the Central, what was it, what was it called, Central Perk? That was like a coffee shop. It was a coffee shop. Yeah, same uh, kind of thing. Restaurant, coffee shop, bar. I mean, can... so if you're a fan of The Office, does, does Chili's count? Because I feel like they, <laughs> yeah. they always have a pretty good time at Absolutely. Chili's. I'm always uh, looking for that kind of Triple Dipper. Yeah. Oh, the Triple man. Dipper. Uh, the Chili's. it. The Chillis. And, uh, you know, in the, in the movie uh, Office Space, 
which was filmed here. What was the name of the restaurant where Jennifer Aniston worked? Do we remember? Uh, oh, it was Irish. It was like O'Malley's. A, yeah, O'Malley's. yeah, it was like, it was it like was a take Benigans. Benigans. Yeah, right. it was a yeah. spinoff of Benigans. Yeah. But that's like my the, favorite movie of all time. Oh, I love Space. Yeah, Anything I feel Mike like judge. the main character, and that is like, oh, this is the worst day of your life. Like, yeah, every day is the worst day of my life. Like, <laughs> oh wow, that's crazy. Uh, Seinfeld, of course, had Monk's Cafe. Did you know it's called Monk's Cafe? Oh, I didn't. It just says restaurant on the outside, yeah, right? Yeah, Monk's Cafe, apparently, is what that was called uh, when they hung out at Seinfeld and ate big salads and told jokes with mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Salsa. and the crew. What's that? Salsa. Salsa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So let's have some fun with that this morning. Give us your favorite fictional bar or restaurant. Movies. Go to movies. Like, uh, with how about one of the ones that they suggested from The Godfather, Louis' Restaurant, mm. where it all went down, where it all began. Louis. Uh, uh, where was that? In Harlem? No, Louis, where was it? If you remember the the original Godfather, uh, we'll have some fun with that this morning. So send yours in. Bennigan, it was office space was Flanagan's. <laughs> That's true, Flanagan's. Did you ever get, did you ever go to Bennigan's when it when it oh, was yeah. operational? Absolutely, I was a fan of Bennigan's. I feel like when I was growing up in Northwest Houston, when my when any family would come from from out of town to visit. We would do the same trip every time with my dad. We'd go to the Astrodome. We'd go to the Ship Channel. We'd, of course, hit. We'd, we'd just do the same damn trip all over Houston. The and, Ship Channel? Oh, yeah. Well, you go down by the uh, the Battleship Texas and the... Uh, I got you. Okay. You know. Here they got television you, channel. No, no. I thought, I thought you were just like going down the and ship watching the pretty ships cool, go man. by. Well, there's, there's a restaurant you can sit in and eat some shrimp and yeah. see the ships come in and that kind of stuff. Uh, NASA, of course. You got to hit NASA when you got company in town if you're from Houston, living in Houston. Astrodome, all the all the normals, uh, but yeah, we would always seem to end up at Bennigan's. I don't even know because there, there wasn't a lot of. This was uh, early '80s, middle '80s, and weren't a lot of restaurant choices where I lived out in Northwest Houston. And now there's a bajillion mm-hmm. as that area has blown up like crazy. But yeah, Bennigan seemed to be our spot. Bennigan's. What was the what was their thing? Bennigan's. It was it just, just they, a, it was like one of those, they had everything. Like yeah. they had they had something for everybody. Like you you could get it's like a book menu. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like kind of like a BJ's. These yeah, days. or or what is it? Uh, where's the place Vince Young loved to go all the time and spend all his cheesecake money? Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, you know I them. Love yeah. It's along those lines. Chili's, Applebee's, Cheesecake Factory. I'm, I'm a Chili's man for life. Yeah. Well, and for, for I'm sure for my dad it was it was good enough, but everybody could get something they liked. And it, it wasn't overly expensive, right? Yeah. It wasn't super. And really, we didn't have a lot of choices. So yeah. <laughs> let's go to Bennigan's. Uh, you know, you go to pizza place, you're getting pizza. You go to Mexican, you're getting Mexican. If you go to Bendigan's, somebody can get something that they like. Get a yeah. burger, get a big, get, get a juicy bad steak if you want that. You know, baked potato, the whole, the whole set. This says uh, the Mo, um, Mo Easley's Cantina. Mo Easley's Cantina. Uh, Rosie's Bar in Mash was always a good one. The Regal Beagle. Oh my gosh, we're going back to the Regal Beagle. That is, uh, gosh, Regal I've, Beagle is Three's I've, Company, right? Oh, I don't know. The, the, the Regal Beagle? Uh, this is 70s. We're going 70s now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not as young as Ty, but I'm not as old as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the Regal Beagle. Let's I, I, I see if I get this right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it real fast. There's, think, the, there's the clan. Yeah, it was, it was the Regal the Beagle. Family guy. Yeah. The Ropers and then Mr. Furley. I hang out at the Regal Beagle back in the 70s. So, yeah, we'll take those throughout the morning. We'll come back and we do hit some B&A facts of the day. We are going to preview with uh, Mike's help the uh, teams from the state of Texas on the Longhorn schedule this year. Get some thumbnail thoughts on them coming out of spring, strengths and weaknesses, that kind of stuff. We'll hit it coming up. It's B&A on the Horn. It's Bucky and Aaron. Beating on the horn, Mike Craven hanging with us. Talk plenty of college football coming up in our next hour into our coach's corner. 
Mike has traveled the state of Texas. How many miles did you put on your vehicle here in the spring? Any guesstimate? I mean, you got to be about three or 4,000. <laughs> You've gone to every campus. Be. I had to get an oil change. I, I flew to UTEP, flew to Lubbock, but everywhere else I drove. Yeah, you did the, the the Craig Way tour when Craig was, was driving all over Texas for the uh, the high school show he used to do. Uh, but, yeah, Mike Craven. We'll talk all things college football coming up. Also reset those headlines at the top of the hour, having fun with the, um, the best fictional bars, restaurants, and pubs in movies or TV that you can think of. That's been a lot of fun and will continue to be. Uh, somebody said shabooms from eastbound and down. Good one. I like that a lot. Um, it says uh, uh, Office Space also had a place called Chotchkeys, right? Is that right? Chotchkeys? Oh, that is right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, so several people mentioned and nominated the Drunken Clam from uh, Family Guy. The Drunken Clam is a classic one. I think that's a good one. Uh, how about this? If you're going movies, the Double Deuce in Roadhouse. Remember the Double Deuce with, with Dalton? I'm a big uh, Patrick Swayze guy. Never seen it. Take, what? Take it out back there. Do a little fight. You never seen Roadhouse? No. If I wanted to see a fight, I could just get in one. <laughs> Come on, that's the great uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, dirty dancing. Dirty, oh, dirty dancing. He was it too. Oh man. So we'll take some more of those. The uh, the best bars and restaurants and movies or TV. Uh, I have a little draft of that, which is fun. Uh, but you know, we just heard that promo promo for the Aerosmith concert. The last run, the 50th year for Aerosmith. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They announced the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class yesterday. And uh, Willie Nelson, on the heels of Dolly Parton going in. Remember, Dolly was not was uh, when inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She said, I'm declining that. I'm not in the Rock and Roll. And then she took it and performed. Cheryl Crow is going in. How about they're going back like 40 years to put Kate Bush in, which is weird. Uh, Missy Elliott, Rage Against the Machine is finally in. Uh, but Willie Nelson... And now at 90 years old, a rock and roll Hall of Famer to be in Cleveland, Ohio. I've been to that museum. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's right next to the football stadium where the Browns play, uh, right in downtown Cleveland, right along the uh, right around Lake Erie. Cool spot. It's you know if you're you know you don't, a lot of people don't book vacations to Cleveland that often, but if you're ever up that way, um, it's a pretty fun trip. I can recommend it. You you can if you if you fly into Cleveland, you can do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe catch an Indians game in the summertime. It's pretty. The best, if you love roller coasters, the best amusement park in the world is about an hour drive to the to the west called Cedar Park. I don't think Cedar any, Point. I don't think anyone in in history has ever said a trip to a trip to Cleveland, Ohio is pretty fun. I'm just telling you why, because you could see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is about 45, 50 minutes away down in Canton, uh, which is always a trip. If you love football, you love music, a little baseball game, and if you love amusement parks, Cedar Point is uh, right down the road there. Uh, about an hour. Great, great amusement park for if you love roller coasters. And can I mention there, uh, Mike Craven, people that aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that should be at this point? Why is Boston not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet? Great band Boston. Are you kidding me? Too My, soft. Too soft? They changed music in the 70s. Come on now. Uh, Don Henley's not in as a solo artist. Why is he not in at this point? He was in but at the, the Eagles. Eagles are. But the Eagles are. But Don yeah. Henley should be in. Sammy Hagar should be in. Not just for Van Halen, but for what he did pre pre and post of that. When my my eighties favorite Motley Crue, Motley Crue should be in the Rock and Roll. They're Hall not. First. They're not. Kidding me? No, and, that's not soft. And how about this one? Huey, Huey Lewis and the News. Huey Lewis and the News need to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, just an opinion. But you know, someone brought up the good point that Kate Bush is probably going in now because of that strange that song that's yeah. in the Stranger Things. That's right. She's she's top of oh, mind. No one's paid attention to that song. That. For okay, four All decades. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Now she's in. Now she's going in, but good for her. I'm not going to criticize people who go in. I'm just going to, why aren't these people in? 
Well, my man Vince Neal and Motley Crue need to be in there. Tommy Lee, Nikki Six, get them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's what 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 band says rock and roll like what, from the eighties, uh, like Motley Crue. So Rage Against Machine was kind of like the voice track of my coming up, mm-hmm. right? What was that for y'all? Voice track of you, Rage Against Machine was yours. Motley right. Crue, Motley Crue. Okay, I mean what, I was eighties as far as rock and roll goes. Like rock was. I mean, I the first concert I ever went to was the Toadies. That's not a bad one. That's so, not a bad one. I mean, it's it, like a soundtrack of your childhood. Like it toadies. formed you. The Toadies yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, my first concert was Brian Adams. He's not in the Canadian rocker. Should be, but Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne. All those 80s rock and roll bands, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, my oh first God. concert was Red Hot Chili Peppers at Zilliker Park. That's awesome. Learned a lot that day. <laughs> Learned a lot that day. All right, so uh, there's uh, Iron Maiden also mentioned. that They're not any that they should be. That was a band of the 80s and into the 90s, too. Hard rock, heavy speed. How, are, how are none of those bands in, but Missy Elliott? I know. It's not even, I love Missy Elliott. Super Duper Fly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know they're trying to branch out, diversify right. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and what the definition of rock and roll is, but let's get the real rock and roll bands in there first that belong. Are you kidding me? All right, we'll be back. We'll hit the headlines, talk plenty of college football, your favorite bars and pubs and restaurants fictionally. Uh, good times this morning. And, of course, at Buck-Ons and Buck-Offs on a Thursday on 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming always on your Horn app, on your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com. <laughs>